Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. You're listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. Come visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art, check out our monthly art competitions and exhibitions, our blog and newsletter, view videos of our artists' work, and listen to artist interviews from this show. Today, our guest is Nina Winters. Nina Winters was born in New York City and has lived in Northern and Southern California, New Hampshire, and now resides in Clearwater, Florida. She has traveled extensively in Europe, Africa, and South America. Her sculptures mirror her broad worldview of the culture and environmental aspects of life. From a young age, she developed a strong interest in painting and sculpture and architecture. She began her career as an artist in the field of paint and color. She made the cross to three-dimensional art after having a vision of monumental sculptures enduring through time as positive communications to society. Today, she makes this vision a reality. Good morning, Nina, and welcome to An Artist Speaks. Good morning. Thank you very much. Well, let's start off today by telling the audience a little bit more about yourself, Nina. All right. I was born in New York City. Uh, I spent a lot of my life traveling back and forth to the city. A lot of my family lives there. So I had a very strong energy uh, from that particular place. There's a lot of electricity, a lot of mass, a lot of heavy buildings, a lot of fast-paced things. Later on, I moved to the country, and I got the balance of, you know, nature and and quiet. So I have a sort of a a full cup to draw from whenever I need it. I've I've traveled extensively. I had one child, and I just stuck her under my arm, and we went all over the place. We went to um, Europe, Africa, South America. We got to meet with kings and princes and prime ministers, and all this has just taken, I've gotten a profound feeling of the necessity of doing my art on a large scale from traveling and meeting with so many people. So I went to a lot of schools. I went to Cornell University, School of Visual Arts, Parsons School of Design. What I found is most important is just to do your art. Um, you can get basics, like if you're going to be a dancer, you get your basics with uh, classical ballet training. I think it is important to draw, to know human anatomy. And then what I did as a sculptor, I threw most of that away. Uh, and I just I, I just worked from, from my gut. And that's my story. Well, Nina, when did you first become interested in creating art? I had my first interest when I was a child. Uh, my parents took me up to Maine for a vacation. 
uh, in the wilderness. We're on a beautiful lake. It's called Muslim Magantic Lake. And they got me my first little set of uh, oils and a little canvas. And I remember sitting on the side of the lake painting. And I still have that painting. It's sitting on the top of my piano in New Hampshire. I built a place in the woods in New Hampshire. And that was the start. You know, the whole family stood around. I was terribly self-conscious. But I did this beautiful little painting. And that was the beginning. After that, I asked if I could go to art school. And there was this place called the Westchester County Community something. There were all these classes there, and I took jewelry making and pottery uh, and painting and sculpture, and then I, I was little. I would come home and watch The Lone Ranger after that and have my roasty sandwich, and I was just absolutely and totally taken with art, all, all I've ever wanted to do. Well, Nina, in your bio, you mentioned that you had a vision about your three-dimensional art. Tell the audience about that vision. Okay, um, that was a very interesting moment in my life. I had been painting. I had been doing magazine illustrations in New York City. Where, you know, you could just run in on a second's notice and get the job before anybody else got in. And one night I had this dream, and it was a dream about this enormous sculpture. It was so enormous that it was actually the size of a galaxy. I mean, I mean, big. And it was an exquisite sculpture. It was, it looked like brushed titanium. It had not like playful colors of the rainbow, but it had all rainbow colors in it. And it was moving. Colors were moving. And it was just one of the most exquisite pieces of art I had ever seen. And um, the next morning, I woke up, and I started sculpting. That, that was it. It was just a turning point. Wow, that's very interesting. Do you still paint, or are you exclusively now in sculpturing? I've been doing exclusively sculptures for many years now, but I actually, that you should ask, I have a new project coming up. And I am practicing by doing portraits of my friends. I plan to travel the world and do very large portraits, like eight-foot-high facial portraits of children. I won't go into the exact thing, because I don't want to give out the exact idea, but um, I'm actually going back into painting. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Uh, I, I'll certainly be excited to to see the work that comes from that trip. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. Well, tell us, or tell the audience, about your artistic process with your three-dimensional art. Okay. I usually start out with a fairly um, handleable size sculpture, uh, one to two feet. And I work in clay. I actually frequently work in Sculpey, which is a little non-conventional since it's usually built as a, as a child's product. But I love the fact that I can turn it, I can move it very easily. One of the things my sculptures are known for is the extreme movement that I can create. And if you take a piece of Sculpey and you make your figure, you can then twist it 
any way you want. You don't have to be um, held down with an armature. Even when I use clay in an armature, I always wind up twisting it after and having to rebuild the thing. It's never quite enough motion. And then I put sticks in it after I've gotten it with the expression that I want. Throw it the take it out, and then I can work on it. After I have the clay done, if I want to do a larger piece, I then enlarge it. Sometimes I work with people out in uh, Oregon. And, I mean, there are places all over. There's another guy um, in Loveland, Colorado that I work with, and they blow it up, send it to me, and then I coat it again with melted clay, and then you do something called raising it back where you get your uh, texture in it. And then you send it to the foundry, and they cut it apart and make the molds and that whole thing. And then if I make a smaller one, I usually uh, just drive it to a foundry in Sanford, Florida. The foundries in Loveland, Colorado, are less expensive. It's just hard to work back and forth through the mails. I've not found it totally satisfactory, and I, I wish I could. But when I do large pieces, I actually go and stay in the area where the foundry is and work uh, with the artisans there. Where do you get your inspiration for your figures? My inspiration comes from everything, from every person I meet, every bird that flies by, every color that catches my interest. It's very easy to get inspiration when you're in other countries because, you know, your eyes are, are new on everything. Um, so you get different viewpoints very easily. But if I just stay, like, in present time and I watch what's going on, it's all around me. Uh, I've never had a problem coming up with things to do. I have more of a problem, like, where am I going to find the time to do everything I want to do? Um, I also want to do a whole series of things now uh, with wings and um, wire. I haven't even found the fabric yet, but in my mind, it looks like silk. It will probably be ripped off nylon, like parachute material, if I can dye it in the colors that will last and stand up in the sun. But I have images of, you know, beautiful winged creatures. And I was also thinking of doing horses where you had more than one in different um, different parts of a gallop. So it's a whole thing. You might have three to five sculptures all together, but with this wire and the different fabrics, so you could actually see and get the motion. So, I mean, I have stuff going on in my head constantly that I just don't have time to finish. But, yeah, no problem with inspiration. <laughs> but it certainly doesn't sound like it. Sounds like you have yeah. a, a lot of ideas. <laughs> Nina, has there been uh, another artist or just an individual or maybe teacher that has been a big influence to you in your art? Um, unfortunately, no teachers. I have found, and, and this is a word if there are any children listening, it's like know who you are, know that you are correct in whatever you feel about your art because there will be people who 
they'll just make a little comment and it could destroy you if you let it. You know, just just do your art. You know, if you need to learn how to draw anatomy or if you need to learn how to mix colors, you know, basics, go to school for that. But otherwise, stay true to your own vision. Just keep doing it. Yeah, I think that's very important. Well, Nina, I agree. I think that is very important uh, that you do need to have self-confidence and not and not be shaken or rattled or or disturbed by other people when they comment about your art. And for me, what I find very important is to make a statement, to make something that is important. Um, I know a lot of artists, and this is fine, everyone does what they need and want to do. But from my perspective, my viewpoint, I feel if I'm going to spend this much time doing something, I wanted to make a positive impact on society. And I know our society is, you know, it's in a lot of trouble now. There are a lot of wars, a lot of drugs, there's a lot of psychiatric drugging of children. And for me to go along with that and present more negative art to the world, I think that's just becoming... I'm going to get political. It's just, it's just becoming a slave to our society. So, and sometimes it's just unknowing, but you're just mirroring what's being put out for the lowest common denominator. And for me, it's just very important to every day hang on to the vision and put out things that are positive. Because I think that's, for me, that's the job of an artist, not just to mirror what's going on in, in society, but to, like, show a route out, show the the the, the best in the higher realms. That's, that's what I try to do. Well, that is uh, so true, and I, too, think that that's, you know, artists, not that they have an obligation, but art can do so many wonderful things for people. It, you know, the artists can paint a picture or create a sculpture that full and you know, gives people a different insight. Yes, I agree. Well, Nina, I think this is a good spot for a commercial break, and then when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the art that you submitted into Contemporary Art Gallery for the art contest and exhibition. I want to let our listeners know that you can view and purchase some of Nina Winter's artwork by going to ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com, click on the Search Gallery tab, and then on the W tab for Winter's. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants. So if you are an artist seeking gallery representation, click on the Artist Member Corner and follow the prompts under the Member Application Process tab. And if you're a designer, architect, a connoisseur, or just a lover of great art who believes art can turn a house into a home, then come visit us and review some of the wonderful art created by some of the finest artists in North America. You can search by style, medium, color, size, or even by the individual artist. And again, to view Nina Winter's beautiful art, just click on the search gallery and then follow the prompts to Nina Winter's name. 
and Nina, let's start off by talking about one of the winning pieces of from the art competition, and that was Freedom Angel. I love this piece. <laughs> it's one of my latest ones. It actually started with a woman who was doing some work on a little uh, newly independent island called Timor Leste, and she started talking to me about how she would love to make a huge angel there. And we started talking about it. And although she stopped working there, I kept the vision and I made this. Uh, it, it has a bit of an Eastern feel to it, you know, Asian. You know, her eyes are slanted. It's um, one of the more realistic pieces I've done, but I get a lot of abstract line in the, in the skirts, and it, it just has a very strong feel. It's a woman with a child, which harkens back to the Renaissance and before that, you know, Madonna and child. It's a very strong symbol. And then I put these huge abstract aluminum wings on the back of her. She's bronze. The wings are aluminum. And it's just a very powerful piece. It has a very strong base, and then it comes up to a very... A small head with her hair flowing out behind her and then these big wings. And, oh, and then I also painted it. I put this um, sort of a, a patina stain on her that's mostly white. So you get the white and gold, and it's, uh, it's just a very powerful piece. Well, that it is, and it's a very beautiful piece. Uh, we were quite impressed with that piece. Great. And uh, tell the audience the, the size or the dimensions of that piece of art. Okay. She's 16 and a half inches high, and then with, with the wings, it's 22 inches high, and she's a mere $3,800. Well, it is a definitely a wonderful and very beautiful piece of art. Thank you. And then you also submitted Starman. Tell the audience about Starman. Uh, Starman kind of speaks for itself. It's sort of an abstracted figure, and he's, uh, his body's twisted and he's pointing straight up, and then there's this very three-dimensional star hanging above. And I, I made a number of them and sold them, and I used to have it on a piece of... Um, a clear fishing line, and people would place the sculpture, and then they would put a hook in their ceilings and hang the star. And within a year, they would decide, it happened time and time again, they would decide to move the piece, and they never got back up on the last move the star. <laughs> so I always had the piece with the star hanging in a different room. So I made a frame around it out of stainless steel and put it so the whole thing goes together. And tell the audience the dimensions of Starman. Okay, it's 27 inches high, including the frame, about 10 and a half inches wide, and it's 3,500. What materials did you use in creating it? The figure is bronze, and the frame, which is part of the sculpture, is stainless steel. Well, that, too, is another wonderful piece of art, and I think a lot of people enjoy it. I encourage everyone to come to Contemporary Art Gallery and view this piece of art. 
And the last piece that you submitted, and I, well, this was one of my favorites, and that was Above It All. Great. Above It All was inspired by a fellow named, um, his last name is Aubergenois. He was on Deep Space Nine. He's one of the actors. And he actually purchased land with me. We had about five people purchase some land in New Hampshire. I still have a house there. Uh, he and his wife, Judith, are no longer involved. But he used to make these little funny drawings of figures. And not to be outdone, I started making little drawings of figures. I was just thinking one day in my studio, you know, what do I feel like sculpting today? And I made this figure dancing, holding a star. Uh, and then I got a stainless steel ball. The first one I did was actually bronze, and it was so heavy that I decided to go to China and got these stainless steel spheres, had them coated by a car coating company, this beautiful, beautiful sky, night sky time blue. It's very, very beautiful. And had her placed on top. She's dancing on top of the star. So it's either the universe or her own universe or the world, you know, can be interpreted by anyone however they want. But it's obvious that she's staying on top of the problems and staying happy. And that she is. Do you have the audience, uh, the dimensions? Or above it all? Okay. It is uh, 22 inches high, including the sphere, but uh, not including the base. The base is about another 10 inches, and that is part of the sculpture. So let's see, it's about 32 inches high, and it's $3,500. Well, again, that's uh, another beautiful and wonderful piece of art, uh, as all of your art is. So I encourage everyone to come to the gallery and view and even purchase some of it. Nina's wonderful art. That would make me very happy. <laughs> well, Nina, is there an artist that either influenced your work or at least are appreciative of their work? I think the artist that influenced me the most would be Zuniga, a, a Mexican uh, artist sculptor. I met him in New York City. He was an older gentleman then. I went to his studio, and I would see his sculptures throughout the city. The one that impressed me the most was a sculpture of three women. One was younger, one was what we call middle-aged, and the other one was an older woman. And they were walking in different directions on a very thin bronze slab that was then put on a big piece of stone. And just the grace and the movement and the serenity, the nobility. I mean, it had such a powerful message about like the nobility of human nature. It, it was just very, very powerful piece for me. I think that struck me more than anything else. Although they had clothes on, you could see most of the body through the clothing. And the abstract line on top of the very traditional forms was so beautiful in and of itself. I was just mesmerized. And then when I got to meet him, I was in heaven. So he, I'd say he was the strongest influence. Well, Nina, do you have a philosophy about art that you would share with the audience? 
I think, well, what I try to convey more than anything else is that we can be far more than we are led to believe. Schools, although we do get educations, the educations are not as far-reaching as they could, should, would be. I just think it's really important for people to reach and to strive for the top because we're all extremely creative, we're all powerful. We can all be a lot more intelligent than we're told. Uh, we can have a lot more power. We can influence each other greatly if we set a really good example. So that's what I try to put out in my heart. I'm more political than a thought. <laughs> Well, that's always been one of my biggest complaints. Uh, I think that art and music, having been canceled, when I went to school, those were, you you did an art class, you had a music class, and, and of course those are not in the American education system any longer. Uh, I think that's, that's a real shame. And although I know that efforts are being made now for, you know, adding art and music is, you know, activities after or before school. But I, that's important, I think, to how a young person grows and learns. I think it's extremely important. I mean, to take out creativity out of a child's life is it's appalling. It, it, mm-hmm. To me, it's the most important thing that you can do with a child. We always had a, a room where we created. You know, I always think that homes should be built you know, not just with the living room and the kitchen and the bedrooms and all that, but there should be a room where everyone comes together just to create. Um, I now have one in my house. I have a big studio. I even have a gallery. I have so much artwork I couldn't even fit it in my living room anymore. I have it in the um, – I have a, a little gallery, and we have soirees here and invite friends and designers over. It's, it's great. Well, that's awesome. Uh, that's, a, that's a great idea. Nina, we're getting close to the end of the show. So before we leave, do you have a uh, website that uh, you'd like to share with the audience? Oh, thank you very much. Yes, it's very simple. It's www.ninawinters.com. And one thing unique about this website is that you can go to the gallery, find the picture you want, click on it, and it'll come up. And then you click on it one more time, and it will load. And then you can actually move the mouse across it, and the image will turn. So you can see the sculpture's 260 degrees. Wow, that's awesome. Well, Nina, I want to thank you for joining us today on An Artist Speaks. Thank you so very much. I'm actually honored to be on the show, and it was great talking to you. Well, it was our pleasure as well, and we look forward to seeing more of your wonderful art as you continue to create and grow with your art. Thank you so very, very much. I also want to thank our listeners for being with us today. And again, to view Nina Winter's stunning art, to listen to this interview, and of course purchase some of Nina's art, visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com. I want to let all the artists listening in today that Contemporary Art Gallery Online hosts a monthly art competition and exhibition. To enter your art, just click on the art competition tab and follow the prompt, and you can even check out all of our upcoming competitions and exhibitions. If you're an architect, interior designer, 
connoisseur or a lover of art who likes to have interesting and beautiful art adorning your walls, then visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com and view some of the most exciting original art that you just can't find anywhere else. While visiting our gallery, we would love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog, so please sign up so you can keep up with all that is going on at the gallery. An Artist Speaks airs every other Saturday morning, so we'll meet again in two weeks. But next Saturday, at this time, be sure to listen to our show, The Business of Art, hosted by artist and published author Sharon Hawkshaw, as she shares tips and ideas on how artists can grow their business. Again, thank you for listening to us today, and have a great rest of your weekend.